Today, uh, we're continuing in a series that we're calling Foolproof, and we have a great privilege of hearing from one of our own here at the Medina East Campus. Clark Jeanette, uh, you guys might remember him. He is, uh, helps oversee our college ministry here at Grace Church, the Medina East Campus, does a stellar job. Uh, Clark is a young man who is dedicated to Christ. One of the things we believe in very strongly here at Medina East Campus is investing in the next generation leader. Clark is a next generation leader and just a phenomenal young guy. Some of you might remember he shared a message with us a couple months ago that was absolutely uh, mind-blowing and and heart-touching about sharing our story. Clark shared his story and it was fantastic. And so he did such a great job. We asked him to come again today and share with us um, today's message as we continue Foolproof. So why don't you guys join me, give a warm Medinese welcome to Clark Jeanette. Thanks, man. Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you all here today. Uh, we've been in a series called Foolproof uh, these past couple weeks. It's been really exciting. Uh, to me personally, I feel like I've been learning a lot, and it's, uh, it's been really convicting. And uh, if you're just now, like, locking in with us uh, today, let me just say, uh, really glad that you're here today, and um, just really excited to continue this series. So, uh, kind of the big idea that we've been saying through this entire series, uh, ever since week one, uh, has been this. It's been that uh, we often want the result of wisdom, when what we truly need is wisdom itself. We often want the result of wisdom when what we truly need is wisdom itself. So let me just kind of talk about that a little bit. Um, During the very first week when we started this series, we actually asked a question, and we asked, uh, what would actually help improve your life right now? What would actually help improve your life? And uh, hypothetically speaking, some of us might say something like, well, right now I need to to get a degree so that I can get a job. And uh, some of us might say, "I uh, I need to get a retirement plan or some of us might say, I need to get a gym membership so that I can lose weight. So we're getting all of these things. It's a brand new year, and we're getting all these things. But one of the authors on the book of Proverbs, we talked about this in week number one. One of the authors in chapter four, his name's King Solomon. He actually tells us, he's, he's writing to his son, and he says, son, you're going to be getting a lot of things in life. You're going to be acquiring all types of things. But the one thing that I really want you to get is wisdom. And again, we're saying that wisdom is actually the vehicle that gets us to that uh, end result, that change in our circumstance. And so, uh, again, as it corresponds to us, we're getting all these things. It's 2015. We're trying to get something that changes our circumstance. But really, the vehicle that gets us there, once again, is wisdom itself. So that begs a very good question. How do we get wisdom? That's what this series has been all about. So in week number one, uh, if you weren't here, week one we talked about uh, wisdom. We kind of defined wisdom, and uh, Tony talked about the importance of wisdom and why we need this. In week number two of last week, we identified three characters. We talked about the uh, simple and the fool and the mocker. And again, if, if you didn't catch any of that, I just encourage you to go to our website and uh, catch up on those past week's sermons. But in this week, uh, week number three, today I'd like to continue this uh, study in Proverbs and uh, talk about a topic that I believe we can all uh, relate with quite a bit. And it's this, it's the fact that our mouths have the incredible power to speak life or death. Our mouths have the incredible power to speak either life or death. And uh, Proverbs 18.21 really nails it on the head here. It says that the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it eat its fruit. Again, those two things, it's going to be one of those two things, either life or death. And um, I'll never forget a, uh, a time, and in, in, I was in the ninth grade. Uh, just, I'll just share a story real quick. A time that I was in the ninth grade, uh, this was a season of transition for me. I was going from uh, middle school to high school. 
It was also kind of like a season of sadness as well because my parents just kind of separated around this time. And um, so it was just kind of a weird season of life. And uh, I remember uh, specifically uh, during this time, I was, I was 14 years old and uh, I was kind of a chunky kid at that age and just had long hair and uh, played guitar all the time. And I guess I'm not 14 anymore, but everything else is basically the same. Um, but um, freshman year of high school, just imagine, I'm, I'm 14 years old, and uh, I just remember specifically being in the lunch cafeteria, and uh, I remember being in the lunch line, and uh, I remember there was like this confrontation that I had with this senior, and uh, this guy was your classic, like, he was a varsity basketball team, he was, um, you know, he was the very popular guy in school, he was a senior, and he had, you know, a lot of friends. He was basically the opposite of what I was. And uh, I'll never forget, we're in the lunch cafeteria line, and I'm holding my lunch tray. And uh, there was, I think I looked at him the wrong way or something, but he, he started to say something back, and things got kind of heated. I remember one of the lunch ladies was actually like, guys, guys, you need to stop. And, and uh, it got, it got kind of escalated, and uh, it got to the point where I'll never forget what this person said to me, and, and uh, I'll never forget the feelings that, that I felt. It was, a, it was just like a cocktail of mixed emotions. I remember feeling enraged. I remember feeling um, just confused, and I remember feeling scared. But um, more than anything, I remember feeling very hurt, and I'll never, ever forget what this person said to me. Uh, this is what they said. They said, you're a fat loser, and you should kill yourself. They said, you're a fat loser, and you should kill yourself. And I'll, I'll never forget that. And if there's one thing that I learned that day, it, it was this, is that is our words have the power to be life-giving or life-taking. That was a very valuable uh, lesson I learned that day. And uh, I've never, never forgotten it. Uh, so that's kind of the conversation today. Um, when we wake up in the morning, uh, when we talk to our significant other, our husband or our wife or our, our friends, uh, whether it's in the bedroom or in the classroom or in the workplace, um, words are so pervasive in our culture. We text words, we email words, we type papers, and words are just everywhere. So in all the words that we're using, are, what, what kind of words are they? Are they life-giving words or are they life-taking words? Because words have power. It's, it's not even a debate, right? The right words can win you a job. The wrong words can lose you a job, right? Good words can get you a date. Wrong words will make her get out of the car and never come back, right? And so... Words have power, right? It's not, even, it's not even a debate. And so again, if you're just now locking in with us uh, for this foolproof series, um, the first week we identified wisdom, talked about the importance of it. Uh, last week, Tony uh, did an awesome job talking about three characters represented in Proverbs, the, uh, the fool, the mocker, and uh, uh, the simple, the fool, and uh, the mocker. And this week, I want to talk about three scenarios where words really matter. Three scenarios where words really matter. And uh, again, I just want to encourage you to not tune out on me. I really think the next few minutes will be worth your time because, um, you know, exercising wisdom in our words, when we don't do that, we forfeit something huge. There's something large at stake here. And, and when we do uh, exercise wisdom in words, we can be an encouragement to other people. And uh, if the words that we choose to say are, uh, are life-giving, then we're going to be a blessing to ourselves and other people and communities. So stick with me. Uh, so three scenarios where words really matter. So scenario number one, thinking before speaking. This kind of corresponds to what we just talked about in the story I shared about the, uh, the senior in high school. And so thinking before speaking, 
Um, I'll be the first one to admit that I say things before speaking sometimes. Um, sometimes our mouths, I mean, we just have the natural proclivity to say things before speaking. But uh, notice what, what Proverbs 18.6 has to say on this subject. What the author of Proverbs wants to teach us here. It says that the lips of the fools bring them strife, and their mouths invite a beating. Lips of fools bring them strife, and their mouths invite a beating. This is like the classic case of, you know, something that tells like the your mama jokes, right? It's like, don't talk about my mama. You don't even know my mama, right? This is the classic person that's just the impetuous, impulsive, self-destructive mouth that invites a beating. Just one right on the kisser, the stuff that you say. And I've been this guy. It's, it's not fun to be this guy at all. Okay, so last week, again, Tony talked about the, the simple, the fool, and the mocker. And we said that the simple is the type of person that kind of is uh, somebody of youth, somebody that lacks experience. And I'm like, I know somebody like that. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm not very experienced when it comes to having ki- being married or having kids. And uh, the reason why I bring this up is because I was trying to find application that would really connect with some of our folks here at Medina East. And uh, what I did is I actually Googled things that you get punched in the face for saying. And uh, one of the links that I found from, was from this website called uh, www.buzzfeed.com. And uh, I'll just share a, a couple of the things. There, the title, the heading of this, was actually uh, Things Husbands Should Never Say to Their Pregnant Wife. So I thought we would have a little bit of fun with this. So this is just a couple, and uh, I'm, like, taking notes because I'm, like, when I get married, I'm never going to do this. But hopefully you don't need Google to know that. So here's a couple. Here's the, here's the very first one. The first one says this. Wow, you're eating again? Probably shouldn't say that to your pregnant wife. Um, here's the second one. You want to you wanna discuss baby names Again? I think we should just remove again from the English language because that seems to be what, what triggers it. Um, this next one's pretty good. Um, this next one's so specific that it's like you know it happened. Sorry, hon. The store didn't have any banana cream pies, so I got you a banana. It's like, what? You know that that actually had to be a real occurrence because it's so specific. Um, and then this last one's my favorite. Where's my back rub? I'm like, dude... Man, you are not, that's not going to win you friends. <laughs> so th- those are uh, just some stuff that I thought would relate. And again, this is stuff that your, your mouth invites a beating for saying. And so, um, <laughs> again, it's probably good. So as a caveat to that, notice what Proverbs seventeen twenty eight has to say. And uh, the pregnant wives are like, amen to that. This is what it says in Proverbs seventeen twenty eight. It says, even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and uh, discerning if they hold their tongues. So sometimes we know that uh, sometimes the best words are just no words at all. And, um, you know, if you know the story of Job, then that, w- that was the case with him, too. Like, his, the best thing his friends could have done is just not say, is to not say anything. And so sometimes the best thing to say is just nothing at all. So scenario number one, here's the question for that. Where in your life uh, have you spoken something without thinking beforehand? Where in your life have you spoken something without thinking before you say it? Again, I'll be the first one to admit that I do it all the time. So that's, that's scenario number one. Scenario number two is, uh, is this, determining when to say something. Determining when to say something. It's not enough to just think about before we speak, but we also have to consider, too, the timing of our words, the timing of when, our, when we should actually say something. So let's see what the authors of Proverbs has to say on this, on this topic. Um, notice what Proverbs 25, 
20 has to say about this. It says, like one who takes away a garment on a cold day, or like vinegar poured on a wound, is one who sings songs to a heavy heart. Like one who sings songs to a heavy heart. There's a lot in here, so let's just kind of unpack this a little bit. Notice the first part, like one who takes away a garment on a cold day. I just imagine being like somewhere in Cleveland where there's insane like lake effect, like negative 10 or 15 degrees. And imagine that you're walking and you're wearing like your Carhartt or your North Face jacket. And somebody just runs up and takes that and runs away. First of all, why are you stealing my jacket? Second of all, it's like negative 10 degrees. Like that's, that's, I hate being cold. And so that would be really awkward. So notice the second part here, or like vinegar poured on a wound. So then imagine you fall and you scrape your elbow and then somebody, uh, your friend comes up to you, and they're like, dude, what happened? Scraped my elbow. And then they pour vinegar on it. And you're like, dude, why are you doing that? I don't know. And then this last part, it's like one who sings songs to a heavy heart. This is somebody who's having a really bad day. And then somebody, this is like the picture of a person that comes up and starts singing, Journey, Don't Stop Believing. And you're like, dude, that's, this is not the time. And so what is, what is the author of Proverbs 25 really trying to tell us in this? He's saying this is the picture of a person who says the right things at the wrong time. A person that says the right things at the wrong time. Uh, just imagine uh, some, that you just lost somebody. For some of you, uh, you're going through this grieving process right now. For some of you, you just lost somebody close to you, whether it be a friend or a family member or, heaven forbid, a child. Some of you are going through this. And uh, we've experienced this before where, where people will come up to us Instead of comforting us, instead of grieving with us and crying with us and just being that friend, what we get instead is a sermon. And people want to they say stuff like, God has a plan, or, you know, God works in mysterious ways, or, you know, the book of Revelation says Jesus is going to wipe away every tear and he's going to make all things new. It's like great words, wrong timing, right? What they need is the ministry of presence. They need somebody to love them and to be that friend, to comfort them, to grieve with them, and to cry with them, and just say, dude, you know what? I love you, and if you need anything, let me know. So that's one example. Um, I was talking to one of my friends. She lives on the West Coast, and uh, I was talking to her uh, the other day, and uh, I, I was asking her, I'm like, hey, I'm teaching on uh, this, one of these Proverbs, and I'm trying to think of examples where people say the right things at the wrong time. And uh, she gave me a great example, and uh, she said I could use this. Um, she's like, oh, I just got out of this uh, five-year relationship, you know, devastating. Like, we were together for five years. That's a really long time. And uh, she was like, you know what? It was such a hard breakup, and we did, like, the clean break thing. And she said after a couple months, uh, this guy came back and was like, baby, I love you. I want to, you know, get married, and I want to have, have kids, and I, wanna st- I just want to live life together with you. And she was like, you know what? There was a time in my life where I desperately wanted to hear those words coming out of your mouth. But you know what? The ship has sailed. And uh, it, it was like, again, that's like the picture of a person who, puts, who, who steals a garment on a cold day, a person who pours vinegar on, on an open wound, somebody who sings songs to a heavy heart. One more example, and we'll move on. Think, you always have that buddy that jokes around at the wrong time, right? Like says the wrong thing at the wrong time. Imagine, imagine that you're driving, and you get pulled over for speeding, and uh, the cop writes you the ticket, and you're thinking, like, oh, I don't have the money to pay for this. I don't get paid until next week. How am I going to pay for this? And your buddy's sitting there chuckling in the passenger seat, like, dude, I just remembered you owe me, like, 50 bucks. <laughs> you're like, dude, wrong timing, man. <laughs> so, again... Uh, Proverbs 25, 
20, this is a picture of a person that says the right things at the wrong time. So here's the question. For scenario number two, here's the question. What are the areas in your life where you need to adjust the timing of your words? What are the areas in your life where you need to adjust the timing of your words? And uh, again, we've been saying through the past couple weeks, we don't want to just give you ammunition to use towards other people. We're, we're really looking in the mirror, right? We're taking a self-examination. We're looking at ourselves, and, and we're asking ourselves, where does this show up in my life? Um, so let's, let's keep moving. Uh, scenario number three, this is the last and final scenario. Scenario number three, uh, sharing the truth even when it's hard. Sharing the truth even when it's hard. Uh, notice what Proverbs 12, 22 has to say. So the Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are trustworthy. Some of your translations say that uh, detesting lips is an abomination. It just puts a stronger emphasis Basically, it just tells us that God is not a fan of lying. And uh, the, the reason why this scenario is even, it says even when it's hard, is because there's different types of lying, okay? We're all familiar with, like, uh, the guy that, you know, is having an affair on your wife, and it's like lying. It's like, yeah, that's obviously a big deal, and you shouldn't lie about something like that. Or, like, if you're in middle school or high school, somebody who lies to their parents about getting, you know, bad, you know, lying about the grades and the report card, like, yeah, that's, that's bad. You shouldn't lie about that. But, but even, uh, even thinking about, you know, friendships and relationships where you need to tell the truth with somebody uh, because you see them going down like a dark place. And, like, to not tell the truth would, would not be a loving thing. And so that's what we're going to kind of talk a little bit about in this. So uh, notice, notice what the uh, author of Proverbs uh, 27, verse 6 says. It says, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Notice that first part. It says, wounds from a friend can be trusted. Why would a friend wound you, right? Well, again, that's just what we talked about. A real friend is going to tell you the truth even when it's hard. Imagine you're sitting down at a table with a buddy eating at Panera Bread, and you're talking, and just, they just stop you in mid-conversation. He's like, dude, you got a piece of lettuce right here. you got to take care of that. Because I don't want you to go to that job interview later that day and go through that awkwardness, right? A good friend's going to tell you when they notice something going on in your life. Or even imagine a more uh, grander scale of that. Um, I, I can share you personal stories where people have pulled me aside and they've said, Clark, I just want you to know, man, that I see potential in you to be an effective leader. You know, but there's, there's stuff that I see stopping that. You tend to joke around a lot, and you tend to clown around, and, and you, you, you don't know when to turn that off sometimes. And I just want you to know that, you know, this is the truth as it corresponds with reality. I just want to let you know because if I didn't love you, that I wouldn't tell you this, right? So that's what a good friend does. A bad friend, notice the second part, an enemy that multiplies kisses. You know, this is a friend that is just going to flatter you. And what they're doing is they're putting you at a disadvantage by leaving you in the dark and not telling you the truth as it corresponds to reality, what they're really doing is, is a selfish thing because they're letting you, as Tony mentioned, like, it's like somebody whistling right off a cliff. You know what I mean? They're just like letting you going down this destructive path uh, when they could be sharing you the truth. But and I know that may not sound life-giving, but it actually is. It's actually a very loving thing to do. So there's a way to do that, um, to go to a person and to not be angry, to not be abrasive, but to be tender and to be life-giving, not life-taking. And so uh, it's good to be wise about that. It's good to share the truth uh, with love, somebody. So here's the question for scenario number three. Here's the question. What are the areas in your life where you need to share the truth with somebody? 
What are the areas in your life where you need to share the truth with somebody, even when it's hard? I have this in my notes. If you're taking notes, I just encourage you to write this down. I think this is a good statement. It says that our goal is not to win or to wound. Our goal is to bring life. Our goal is not to win. It's not to just say, look at my track record and all the arguments that I'm winning with my friends and my girlfriend and my husband and my wife and my kids. It's also not to wound. Our goal is not to make this person feel discouraged or defeated in any way. Our goal is to bring life. We want this person to, to, uh, to grow, mature, and we want them to advance, and we want to be life-giving, not life-taking. And I just want to share with you, we're kind of getting to the end of our time together, um, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, verses 45. This is something that Jesus says, and I really believe that this is the source of wise speech. This has been convicting me for the past couple weeks, and I've been noticing, like, it's been changing the, convers- the way I have conversations with people. And I just want to share this with you guys. This is what Jesus says in Luke's gospel. He says, A man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Don't catch, you got to catch that last part. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. At the end of the day, when, when the head hits the pillow, when we're reevaluating every single thing that we've said to people, through our text messages, through Facebook, through Instagram, whether it's in the bedroom, in the workplace, or in the classroom. At the end of the day, like, what, what kind of things are we pouring into people's lives? Is it life-giving or is it life-taking? Because, again, I don't want you to miss this last part. When Jesus says, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of, at the end of the day, here's the big idea. If there's one thing I want you to remember from this whole entire sermon, it's this, that our words reveal our hearts. Our words reveal our hearts. And uh, again, that's, I'll be the first one to admit that that, like, that kind of stings when I think about that. Because there's, there's, I've said some stuff that has really hurt people in the past, and I'm not proud of it. Um, at the end of the day, our words reveal our hearts. And more often than not, when I look at the things that I've said to people that have hurt, more often than not, it's a good indication that that hurting stems from a hurting heart. I've often heard this statement. People say, hurting people hurt people. And so what we do when we hurt is we, we, tend to make other, we tend to drag others down and hurt them. But it doesn't have to be this way because Jesus provides another way. Jesus provides a better way. And that's really where the rubber meets the road with the gospel. Because God's radical grace, it has, it has the power to change us. And it's undeniable what, what God can do through a person's life. I think about what Ezekiel 36 says. It says that God will take your heart of stone and he'll give you a new heart. He'll give you a heart of flesh. and He'll teach you to obey his decrees. See, it doesn't have to be this way. We don't have to be hurting. God's not just going to give us a better heart. He, he, has, he can give us a new heart. And when his grace comes into our life, we start to see things differently. We start to use our words differently, not as potential weapons, but as uplifting, life-giving, life-changing words. And, and, and it also shows us, too, that when we do say things that hurt others, that's not the end. We don't have to just give up. We can go to the Lord, and we, can, uh, we talked about this. We said, repent. Uh, what, what is repent? Well, it's, it's basically a churchy way of saying that I'm going this direction in my life, and I'm going to choose to make a 180 and go in this direction. I'm going to cling to the grace of God instead, and I'm going to realize that he can give me a new heart. And so at the end of the day, 
Again, when the head hits the pillow, when we think about all the things that we've texted and we've tweeted and we Facebook, all the social media, everything, you know, are our words, are our words life-giving, our life-taking? Our words reveal our hearts. So here's some final questions and we'll be done. Uh, what are you doing with your words? Again, what are you texting to people? What are you typing in emails? What are you saying to people? You know, what kind of conversations are happening in the bedroom, the classroom, and in the workplace? And another question is this. Ask, ask yourself, how can you use your words to be life-giving? How can you be uplifting and encouraging other people uh, around you? And then, uh, then I just have a final homework challenge here today. Um, I double-dog dare you to do this. And I'm going to challenge myself to do this too. Here's the homework challenge. Next time you say something hurtful or not life-giving, ask yourself, what's going on in my heart? What's going on in here? Because at the end of the day, that's really the source. At this point in time, I just want to ask the band to come up. And, uh, and as they do, I just want you to imagine with me, if you would, uh, imagine what this would look like if this became a reality in our lives. Um, imagine what kind of what kind of campus would we be if we realized that our words reveal our hearts? That at, at the end of the day, all the text messages, all the, all the tweets, and all the Instagram, all of that, words have the potential to be life-giving or, life, or life-taking. And uh, I just want to encourage you, if this is your first time here today, let me just say thanks for being here. I just encourage you to, to lock in with us and come back for the rest of the couple weeks in the series. And um, again... Um, Maybe for the first time today. Just say, God, you know, you don't have to do a special prayer. You don't have to sacrifice a cat or anything weird like that. You just say, God, I want you to give me a new heart. Because what I'm doing is not really working. And uh, for those of us that, that claim to be Christ followers, I just encourage you, you know, again, ask, like, what are my words pointing to? And maybe even a better question, like, to whom do my words point to? So I just encourage you to just uh, come back, stick in uh, the rest of this uh, series with us in these next couple weeks. So. Let's pray. God, I just want to say uh, thank you for the book of Proverbs, Lord, and uh, thank you for just the conviction that you've been, uh, that you've been given uh, me, and I know a lot of other people through this series, Lord. I know that uh, wisdom is uh, it's, it's a hard thing to ob- obtain, and it's a tough thing to acquire, and uh, Lord, not too many people are trying to go after wisdom. Um, I know that's not all, that hasn't been on the top of my list for a really long time. And uh, God, I know it's going to cost us everything. It requires persistence. It requires intimacy with you. And it requires um, a great deal of humility, Lord. I just, I just ask that you would uh, help us to realize, God, that our words reveal our hearts. And that, uh, Lord, more often than not, again, when we're saying things that are hurtful, God, it's, it's uh, usually because we're hurting. So, Lord, I ask that you would uh, help us to uh, just continue to pursue wisdom. Lord, help, help people that are here for the first time maybe to uh, just consider, you know, saying, God, I'm, give me a new heart. Uh, what I'm doing is not working, Lord, and uh, I just want to, uh, I want to I be at peace and just know that there is a better way. There's another way, and uh, Jesus, you do provide that way for us. Um, so throughout the next couple weeks, Lord, just help us to uh, just prompt us with your spirit. Show us. What are ways that we can be life-giving with our words as opposed to life-taking, God? I pray that you would, uh, that you would do this and uh, be with us throughout the rest of our day. In Christ's name.